Awesome. How's everybody doing today? Good deal. Y'all ready for the word? Awesome. Hey, let me give you one thought real quick that I just keep thinking about. Hopefully the way I say it, it'll make sense. Just just let it land. It's this simple thought. And I just told actually Mr. Ben this. So it's the fact that this, guys, do you understand that what God has saved us to is greater than what he saved us from? You get that? What God has saved us to is greater than what he saved us from. And, and the reason I'm saying this is this. A lot of times on our journey with God, it's real easy to keep looking in the rearview mirror. And God hasn't called us to look in the rearview mirror. He's got, we got to, we got to begin to look out the windshield and see where he's taking us and where he wants us to go. You know, it's really simple. If I keep looking backwards, I'm never going to get anywhere fast, right? Yes. So if we can, man, j- just today, it's just a fact. Guess what? He's forgiven us. Amen. Our, our sins are in the sea of forgetfulness. They're separated as far as from the east and the west. All those awesome scriptures. And so it's time to forget, forget those things and move on. Amen. So anyways, let's pray real quick and we'll get going. That was free. <laughs> yes. So, Father, we just thank you today. Uh, God, just the fact, God, that what you've saved us to is greater than what you saved us from. And, Lord, we don't take light. God, of, of what you've redeemed us from, of what, you've, of what your blood has covered. But, Father, we're so excited about the invitation that, you, that you've given us to go deeper in you. And so, Father, today we just open up our hearts wide. Father, we are people, God, that believe your word from Genesis to Revelation, God, wholeheartedly. God, we believe every word of it. And so, Lord, today, just as we hear your word, Father, we thank you for faith, God, arising in our hearts. And, Father, just today that we would somehow position our hearts God, just to hear from you. And, Father, we thank you that your truth will land. And, uh, God, it will land on good soil. And, Father, that will produce fruit uh, that literally is, is life-giving today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, we so welcome you in this place to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, over the uh, past few weeks, we've been talking about the behavior of royalty. And if you've been here for any part of this series, you know that that word behavior is really summed up or can be summed up by one word. And that's what? Love. Can somebody say love? Now, the Bible makes it really clear that God wants us to uh, direct this love that he's put in our heart. He wants us to direct that love towards him. He wants us to direct this love toward other people. And he wants us to direct this love even uh, to ourselves. And so we find this truth actually in a verse. It's kind of become our foundation of scripture uh, for this series. But it's in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38. You know, I, I hope that we continue to hear this anew and let it sink in our hearts. But it, but it says this in verse 37. It says, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the goal of this series is pretty simple. And I know I keep saying it, but. Um, just kind of want to keep it, I guess, in the forefront of everybody's mind. But the goal is simply this, is that we are intentionally working through these two verses, the, the, the first and second uh, commandments that really encompass all the, uh, the Ten Commandments, right? But uh, as we look at these two verses, we really just want to catch what God's perspective, we want to catch what uh, God's heart is concerning loving Him and loving people and even loving ourselves. And so... Uh, let me maybe say a few things before we get rolling on today's message, but um, just kind of bring everybody up to speed. 
Two weeks ago, we talked about loving God, and this is really important that we get this, but but we talked about loving God from a position of security, from a position of rest, and a position of joy. Amen? Rather than trying to love Him from a position of obligation, performance, and fear. And, uh, you know, I'll just kind of add this. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion teaches you pretty much that, that you have to somehow uh, perform for God, that it's this works mentality. But when you grab a hold of what we were singing this morning as a good father, there's something about just knowing that, that you're secure in Papa's arms. There's a place of rest and there's a place of joy. And out of that position, you get the opportunity just to love him. And so it's a good place to say amen. So last week we talked about loving people, and to be more specific, we talked about loving the ones that Jesus calls our neighbors. Now, we know that uh, basically our neighbors are the ones who aren't born again. They're the ones that aren't in the family of God, and uh, not to be funny, but it's the reality of it, that these are the people that don't look like us, they don't smell like us, they don't think like us, talk like us, act like us, or believe like us. And the, and the one truth that I really wanted us to walk away from last week was this is that here's this group of people that Jesus is expecting us. He's not asking us. He's expecting us to love them unconditionally because he loves them unconditionally. Is that truth? All right. So today I want to turn our attention to uh, loving the people who are in the family of God. And uh, really, if you can kind of get this in your heart, there's a difference between those who are outside the family of God and those who are inside the family of God. I know it's a no-brainer, but here's what I mean. We are called to interact with the people who are outside the family of God. And when we interact with them, it's an opportunity to reflect Jesus to them. Yes? Now, the difference between interacting is that when you come over here with the family, we're not called to interact with the family. We're called to do life with the family. Yes? So we're talking about today the people that we're called to do life with, those that, once again, look like, smell like, think like, talk like, act like, and believe like us. Now, I do want to give you a quick side note here to clarify something, because last week when I said, uh, smells like us, some of y'all looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm not talking about those who wear deodorant and those who don't wear deodorant, all right? Um, what I'm talking about is in 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, it simply says this. It says, for we are, who's we? It's talking about those who are in the family. For we are to God the fragrance, the sweet smell of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And then it says in verse 16, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and the other the aroma of life leading to life. So when I say those who smell like us, Grant, somewhat I'm trying to be funny, but at the same time, I'm talking about believers who literally carry the fragrance of life everywhere they go. That's us. Amen. So that's who we're talking about today. We're talking about God's kids. Okay. so let's lay a quick biblical foundation. Am I going too fast for you? All right. Here we go. So first John, chapter three, verse twenty three. Just kind of lay it down here real fast. It says this. It says, and this is his commandment. Watch this. There's two pieces. And this is his commandment, that we should believe. Anybody believe in here today? Okay, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Now, that one another is different than neighbor, because when the Bible says one another, it's talking about those who are in the family of God. They're members of God's family. So let's uh, take this a step further. Look at First John 3.14. I just want to read the first part. It says this. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. 
Now, in other words, the Apostle John is simply saying this, that the thing that proves if you and I are really born again or not is if we love Christians. Is that not what it's saying? Now, li- listen, I have, I'm going to make a really bold statement here. I have met people that say they believe in God, but they don't like Christians. That person is not born again. Truth. <laughs> Calm down. All right, here we go. So, listen, if this surprises you, I want you to think about something real quick. Before we were saved, did we not feel distant? Did we not feel at odds? Did we not feel irritated and confused towards Christians? Yes, we did. I didn't get them at all until I became one, right? (laughs) So, listen, in, in the moment that we got saved, listen, we had, it's like immediately we had this sense of closeness. We had this sense of appreciation and this underlining spirit of unity with other believers. See, see what John is saying here is that's the proof, those things right there, that we have passed from death to life. Amen? Amen. So, um, listen, this morning I want, I want to hit the blinker and turn really fast. And it's not that I want to be a Debbie Downer, but I want to be a Debbie Downer day on this, okay? Be, because I, I, want to, I want to really, there's somewhere that we want to go as a church. And if we're going to go there as a church, there's things that we got to talk about. All right? So, so here's... Here's where uh, I just really just want to get real today. But let me say it this way. How many of you guys know that just because you get a group of people together, a group that's passed from death to life, a, pa- a group that's, um, you know, become a new creation, Christ Jesus, a group that together uh, that's been called brothers and sisters in the family of God, even a group of people that treasure their relationship with God, even those to go so far that have the mind of Christ, that they literally understand that life and death are in the power of their tongue. Are you with me? That they literally, a group of people that believe all scriptures God breathed, they believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they uh, really desire His kingdom to come and His will be done. How many of you guys know that even if you get that kind of group of people together, I know I said a lot there, that it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be conflict-free? Y'all having flashbacks, aren't you? <laughs> I remember when that lady, anyways... See, unfortunately, at 18 years old, I think I was, and I may be exaggerating here a little bit, but I, but I think I was one of those uh, new, naive believers. I kind of had this misconception that Christianity consisted of all of us, you know, sitting around a campfire, sipping hot cocoa, smiling at each other as we sang Kumbaya and, and quoted scriptures to each other, uh, you know, all day long, right? <laughs> l- l- listen, I, I was naive to believe this, that that in the church... That everybody always said and did the right thing. Oh, wow's right. <laughs> now, listen, I don't know about you, but, but my misconception bubble got popped pretty quick. It took me a few months, but I finally realized, I want you to get this, because some of us need to realize this. It took me a few months, but I realized that the church is just as much of a hospital for the broken and the wounded as it is a training center for the whole and the healthy. Amen. See, and the reason I want to say that side note here is, is because um, I've had some interaction with people over the last, whatever, 18, 19 years that I've been a Christian. And so many people have said the reason I don't want to go to church is because there's hypocrites in the church. That is a tr- that is a true statement. OK, but also those people, there's a balance to that statement because they can't, they can't separate the fact that these are just people that have been forgiven 
and they're broken and they're wounded and they're in a process of growing in their faith. And so automatically, typically those people that say that that line there is they're just looking for an excuse not to serve Jesus. Yes. So anyways, but I realize this, that just because someone says they're Christian, it doesn't mean that they're perfect and they're issue free. The fact is, is, you know, the, the world has this concept, and maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but that we use, uh, you know, basically Christianity, God, faith, all these things as a crutch. I don't agree with that. I think the bottom line is it's, easy to, it's easier to be in sin and not confront your mess than it is to walk in the church and go, God, I have an issue. I need you to help me. That's not a crutch. And that's not weakness. Amen? So, listen, I also realize that there's always, always, key word, always, just as many of the immature walking through those doors as there are the mature. Okay? Now, listen, and I don't say that like it's a bad thing because it's not. If, if there's immature people walking through the door, it means people are getting saved. Okay? And it means people are coming to Christ. Now, where, where it is a bad thing is if that immature person's been walking through that door for 20 years. That's when it's a bad thing. Amen? So it's not a bad thing if we're all willing to grow and mature in our Christian walk. Yes? Amen. So let me ask you this, and this is really, I said all that to get here today. Um, Let me say this. Do we all agree with all that? Good. Because I might have to re-preach it. No, anyway, so, so, so listen. In the in the meantime, as we are all, because let's not be, let's not fool ourselves. We are all. Doesn't matter if you've been with him a year, if you've been with him thirty years. We are also in the process of maturing and becoming more like Jesus, right? If you don't, um, you, you, you know, if you if you are not, let me say it this way. Pastor Brian's son called me last night. And, uh, and so uh, his oldest son, and we were talking, and, and he just opened up, and he went through a, a, a list of things that just God's dealing with him on, okay? And, uh, and I said this to Joe. I said, I said, Joe, I said, honestly, what that means, I know it's really easy to beat yourself up and get down, but, but what, the good thing is is that because you recognize those things, it really means that you're being led by the Spirit of God. It's truth, Right? So, so if, if literally, watch this, everybody, everybody grab a hold of this in grace. If there's nothing that I can look at in my life right now and go, Jesus, deal with that, then I'm probably not being led by the Spirit. Because, listen, I use the word, I don't use the word always a lot, but I've used it quite a bit today. But I'll say it again, because he's always trying to make us more like his son. Right? He's always trying to lead us out of the old man into the new man. And so today, if you're looking and you, and you know your issues, you're in a really good spot. It's the people who don't know their issues are the ones that aren't in a good spot. Amen. Let me maybe add a little small writing down at the bottom of that commercial, if you're willing to deal with that issue. Okay. Amen. All right. So because, you know, anyways, I'll say that in a second. Here we go. So in the meantime, as we're all kind of going through this process uh, what do we do as a church to navigate the relational obstacles, the relational challenges, the relational misunderstanding, and the relational issues that await us? Because if they're not here, they're coming. Right? Y'all got quiet. Listen, how do we face those things head on in a healthy way? Watch this. That still promotes community, that still promotes a culture of honor, and still promotes the spirit of unity. 
because issues are going to arise, right? And so the answer, watch this, isn't to get flustered and irritated and run to another church. The issue is to sit in the church that God planted you in and go, okay, as, to, as a body, how can we work through these things to get where he wants us to go? Yes, God, God is, listen, God, nowhere in the Bible has God called us to be runners. Right? We don't run from issues. We, we confront them. Listen, God, God doesn't, let me, let me, let me go this way. We're rabbit trailing here. When, when the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, you know, Moses didn't go, hey, God, is there another, you know, possible route that we can somehow go around this thing? Right? God doesn't take us around things. He takes us through things. And, and here's what's also, when he takes us through things, he destroys the issues in our life, just like he destroyed the Egyptian army. Yes? It's that whole thing, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes? Amen. All right. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. All right, here we go. I'm just having fun. All right, so watch this. So, so do we all agree that it's God's heart for us to have a culture of community, a culture of honor, and to walk in the spirit of unity? I think we'd all say yes. And so it's, it's more, understand that it's, there's more to that than just patting each other on the back and saying, okay, big guy, go love everybody. There's more to it than that, right? It, you, you know, it's... Uh, Whatever. We're not a bunch of hippies living in a, you know, field of flowers or whatever. All right. So there, there's some meat to this. All right. If you're a hippie and you like flowers, sorry. All right. So. All right. Let me move on. Whatever. I don't care. All right. That's all right. Go ahead and get free over there. All right. All right, so listen, so I, like none of us are on our A-game today. This is awesome. All right, so anyways, so listen, I definitely don't have all the answers to this, but I got a, I got a few thoughts that I want to share with you, okay? And, and I'm going to go ahead and maybe acknowledge here is we can get done with today and we can go, yeah, but what about this? This, this when you talk about uh, just relationships in general, Man, you can talk for days and days and days and days. So I'm just going to give you a few things that are quick to kind of maybe wrap our brains around and uh, kind of give us some things that we can maybe set a target in our own lives and we can start shooting at it, okay? So let's look real quick. Let's look at the last night that Jesus had with, with his disciples and kind of fast forward you through this. We're in John 13, uh, but Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet. They've already had the Last Supper together, and uh, he's already identified Judas as his betrayer. And then watch this, because I never saw this. A little simple fact. When Judas left the room, then Jesus taught his final lesson. But Judas had to get out the room for him to teach what he was going to teach because, once again, it came back to a culture of honor and a spirit of unity, and we know that Judas wasn't with him on that, right? So watch what Jesus said after uh, Judas left, and he said it to the 11 guys who remained at the table. Here's what he said in verse 34, John 13:34. He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That's powerful, isn't it? We breeze over it because we've seen it so many times. But if we stop and go, okay, God, let that land in my heart, that's some powerful words. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So here's kind of my first thought in this, is I think sometimes when we read this verse, it's real easy to forget that the 11 guys that were sitting around the table, that they didn't have the same background, that they didn't have all things in common, 
and that they didn't agree on all things. In other words, we forget sometimes that this, these 11 guys, that they had relational obstacles, relational challenges, relational misunderstandings, and relational issues. Is that true? L- listen, the truth is they all come from completely different backgrounds. Uh, we, we know that five were fishermen, okay? Uh, we know that five were fishermen, and, and theologians also believe that one who's Nathaniel was of royal blood, so here's a guy that's royalty in the mix with these fishermen. And then we know that one was this despised tax collector. You're talking about the ultimate Benedict Arnold in the Jewish culture. And then this, this other guy, he was a fanatical Jewish nationalist. He was known as a zealot. So, so you got this, these group of guys from these total different worlds. And the Bible makes it really clear, clear that they competed, they jockeyed for position, they argued, they fussed, and they fought a lot. Is that true? Is it true? It is very true. So, but here's Jesus, watch this, commanding. Commanding. He's not suggesting. He's not encouraging. He's not saying, come on, fellas, let's hope we can get along. The the word command there actually is the word to order. So he gave them an order to love one another. So the first thought I have for you today is simply this, number one is that we need to remember when we're talking about loving one another that this isn't the first time. What I mean by that is this isn't the first time that he's asked a group of people like us with complete different histories, completely different backgrounds, completely different personalities, likes and dislikes. It's not the first time that he's called a group of people to come together that, that really, you know, whatever, have their own stories and said, guess what, guys, I'm ordering you to love one another. Are you all with me? So watch this. Here's a neat little fact. Do you realize that the day of Pentecost is proof that this can be done? Because the Bible says that they were in the upper room and they were in one accord. And it was more than just, than just uh, 11 guys. It was 120 people that had to get their stuff in order, right? Had to get their issues together. And what happened was, is what, over 50 days, right? We know Jesus went to the cross. Jesus rose again. 50 days after Jesus resurrected we realize that they learned to love one another. Are y'all with me today? That they learned to love one another. Because I, I want to stress the word learn there because, because you don't love people on accident. You can only love them because you intentionally love them. You set out to do it. It's your goal. It's your, it's your heart's desire to, to once again look across the room and go, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that person my heart. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be vulnerable. And I'm going to love them the best that I can. And really, in, in this the scripture here, we need to remember the second thing. So here's the second thought, is we need to remember the standard. We need to remember the standard. Somebody say standard. I want that to lodge in your brain today. Look back at that verse in John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, here's a thought for you. At that point, was it really a new commandment? No, it wasn't. We already read Matthew 22 where he said, love God and love people, right? So, but when it became new is when he said this, as I have loved you. So the moment, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And understand that when he said, as I have loved you, a new standard was put in place. Yes? So, so listen, it, 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 here's the truth. 
maybe if I can put language to it, don't know if this is necessarily correct. He's like, boys, that's great that you understand phileo love. You, learn how, you know how to get along, walk down the road, joke and pick with each other and kind of laugh and kind of support each other. But I'm now calling you to an agape, an unconditional love. So the standard just went up another level. And so, you know, I, I can just kind of picture the disciples' faces as Jesus said that part, as I have loved you. It's at that point I can literally see them almost making eye contact around the table at each other. And at that moment, they realize all the times that they treated each other uh, in an opposite spirit, in an opposite way than what Jesus had treated them personally over the last three and a half years. Am I making sense, you guys? See, I I really want you to grab this. It's, It's this understanding that when they first started following Jesus, right, that they heard, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. They heard it. But after three and a half years, guess what happened? Jesus showed them how to love. See, there's a difference between being told what to do and then someone demonstrating for you and and literally grabbing you by the hand and walking you and go, this is how you do it. Are you following me, guys? See, and it's just kind of like Jesus. If you can just kind of imagine sitting at the table And it's like him going, boys, you have personally, get that, you have personally experienced my love for you. Now imitate that love towards one another. And the the reason I I think that second one of remembering the standard, the reason I think that's so powerful and so important is because it helps us do the third one. The third one is this, is it helps us remember our history. It helps us remember our history. Now, what I mean by that is it reminds us of what he loved us through. That it reminds us what he loved us through. And when we can remember what he's loved us through, guess what? It's a whole lot easier to turn around and love someone else through their issues. Yeah. See, see, what he loved us through is our history. But can we love someone through their now? See, the Bible says this in 1 John four eleven. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also, the next words were the, were the umps at, we also ought to love one another. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, listen, I don't know about you, and I, you know, I know some people's stories, but I don't know all of it. But, but I remember when I was just a, a hurt, angry, resentful, broken, insecure kid. That's what I looked like when I came into the kingdom, you know, at 18 years old. I was broke. And I don't mean, yeah, financially, I was broke. But, I, but inside, I was, I was broke. Uh, there, there was, um, I, I'll say it to, to you like this. And I've, I'm trying to find this letter. But a guy that I'm going to talk about in a minute, he actually gave me a letter. And this was after my second year. When I was finishing my second year up of Bible school, my leader gave, gave all of us a letter. And his letter to me basically said this, that, that Quentin... Um, Basically, that you have every right to be an angry, resentful young man. And he says, in fact, your circumstances demanded that of you. So here's a leader that that said, look, I acknowledge that that's there. But here's what I see in you. Are you with me? Because see, what happened is, is, is I remember who I was, but also remember how God surrounded me with several people that patiently and I almost stress that word that patiently loved me through my issues. And, and there's no doubt in my mind today and I'm sure you can look and think about certain people that's in your story. But there's no doubt in my mind today that if it wasn't for those few individuals being in my life and doing what we're talking about, there's no way that I'd be here today. Not possible. 
And, you know, the first guy that comes to my mind is the guy that wrote me the letter, Pastor Mark Sims. That man, uh, for, for me, he came from a different planet. I mean, that guy, that guy loved me when I didn't even love me. And, and he literally, I mean, I, I, I re, in fact, I remember him saying something. He, he, said, he said this. He said, I'm not going to give up on you. And, and I think we can all stop, and I have a pity party here, but stop and realize that there's people along the way that, that, that disregarded us, that gave up on us. But thank God that God surrounds us with some people that said, you know what, I'm not letting you go. Amen. Amen. See, grab a hold of this real quick. When I stop long enough to remember my history, I can't help but to think about how patient, how kind, how gentle, how gracious, how merciful God's been with me. And it's in those moments, literally, when I remember, and I know I say this to you a lot, but it's because I want you to think about it. But when I remember what he's done for me, it's at that moment my self-righteous wall that I can build pretty quick collapses, literally falls to the ground. And what happens is at that moment I begin to see people the way he sees them. And, and in that moment what happens is, is my heart is so motivated to give to them what was freely given to me. Amen? See, it's in those moments I'm reminded that uh, people are the way they are for a reason. Just like I was who I was for a reason. Right? I didn't, I didn't wake up one morning and said, hey, I'm going to screw up my life. Right? My family did that for me for 18 years. Right. And so there's a reason people are the way that they are. And if I will care enough, and I'm saying this because I want us to do this. But if we will care enough about the other people to listen to them, what will happen is, is God will let us literally see through their dysfunction. He'll let us see through their unhealthy behavior patterns and he'll let us see their history and he'll let us see the reason. Amen. So listen, and when we see the reason, God doesn't let us see it so we can continue to make excuses for people. That's not what we're here for, right? We're not here to go, well, you know, when they were five, this happened to them. Well, when they were five, well, you know, they're not five anymore. Amen? They, they have become a new creation. The Spirit of God lives inside of them. They have the Word to renew their mind, which can change their thinking. All those things. They've been given a new heart. They once had a heart of stone. Now it's a heart of flesh. So all these things, it's not that God tells us these things, once again, so we can keep, you know, making excuses for their dysfunction. But He gives us this, this, you know, this glimpse, if you will, so we can have compassion and so we can extend grace for them that we normally wouldn't give. See, and I can't tell you how many times, honestly, um, that in that brief moment of how many times that literally God has allowed me not to give up on someone just because I saw that glimpse. And the truth is, is in that moment when I see kind of who they are and why they are that way, it really uh, removes judgment from my heart. Because really, that's the side of judgment is when we say to someone, you know, that's who you are and that's who you will always be. First of all, that's an indictment against God. That's saying that he's not strong enough to change them. Okay? But, but, in the sense of, but in the sense of this is, here's the truth. Let me just get really honest today. I can't tell you how many times that I've had interaction with someone, we've all done it, and they are in their dysfunction and I took it personal. I, I took it as if it was to me. And, I, and for some reason, maybe my own insecurities or whatever it was in that moment didn't allow me to see, you know what, they really act that way with everybody. So I took it personal. And, and in, my, you know, in my own heart, I'm frustrated, 
aggravated, all of those things with them. And then it's like when I get to the point where I'm just going to throw everything up in the air and go forget them, God gives me this glimpse. And I go, yes, sir. Right? Am I the only one? So, you see, it's in this moment when God gives us this glimpse, number four, and we're, we're going to be done in a few minutes. Number four happens. We remember their value. We remember their value. This is so important if we are going to have a culture of honor. You've got to remember their value. Because what happens is, guys, is when we can see supernaturally beyond their pain and see their heart. It, let, let, me, let me stop here and, and kind of say something. There's that old saying that hurt people hurt people. We've heard it, right? But it's true. And, and what I've noticed a lot of times with people, and this wasn't necessarily the angle that I was shooting for today, but, but what I've noticed with people that uh, always rub people wrong and always offend people, a lot of times the reason they do that is because it's a defense mechanism for their own self because they're so afraid to get hurt. And so if we can maybe see past that, that, that self-protected wall, that they have and just, you know, somehow let the love of God walk us through that wall and love them for who they really are, then that's when something supernatural really begins to happen. And see, this is why this is why we have to be connected to him, because this kind of love walk is not natural. There's not not even an ounce of it. Can we really do in us? There has to be that part where we're connected to God and we go, God, let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. And let me feel what you feel for this person. Because if I don't have that, Lord, I know who I am. Okay, but, but when, we, when we somehow lean into God and get his image and his view, then guess what? It's at that point that, that we really begin to value them for who they really are. It's at that point that we recognize, and I, and I said it last week, but there's a difference here. It's in that moment that we realize that they, too, were created in the image of God. It's at that moment you go, God does have a plan. He does have a purpose for their life. They are his son. They are his daughter. If we were having a family meal, we would be sitting at the table together. Right? And there's something about when you, when you go... Let, let, let me maybe say it this way. If we're sitting at the table, right? We've all been there. And it's Liam Papa at the end of the table, and he looks at the guy that you want to punch in the face. Five-fold ministry. All right. You see him. So, yes, right-handed fellowship. All right, here we go. So, anyways, so, so you look at the guy, and there's this moment where you catch, you catch a glimpse of the father looking at him and just smiling. And you know that, that he's so important to dad. And at that moment, something shifts in your heart because you don't feel the same way. But you should feel the same way, right? Because, because, and here's why. Because part of this is, is God's trying to let that guy know how he feels about him through me and through you, right? It, it, you know, that's where the reflection comes. So God, God is somehow trying to love that person beyond their dysfunction, beyond their, uh, once again, their messed up, you know, behavior patterns and all that stuff. And he's trying to love them past all that, but he's trying to do it through us. If somebody would just be patient with them. Right? Amen. See, there's something that happens when the agape love floods our heart for an individual. And I'll say this, we'll move on. But, but in that moment, when really, when we feel the love of God, and you guys know what I'm talking about, right? When he just kind of melts your heart for a person. It's in that moment that we recognize and we appreciate their value in the kingdom. 
And, and you know, there's that point where you look at a person and go, you know what, dude? Um, you know, you may not be too earthly good at the moment, but you sure do mean something to the kingdom. See, it's in that moment we also view them with great esteem and great admiration. Right? Is that true? Let me show you 1 Peter 4, 7, and 8. Pretty awesome verse, but it'll really bring the, it'll put a stamp on what I'm talking about here. It says in verse 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Grab a hold of that. Verse 8, and it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Why? For love will cover a multitude of sin. What a powerful verse, right? If I, can, if I can maybe take some liberty on that, love will cover a multitude of sin. Love will cover a multitude of dysfunction. It will overlook it. Yeah? It will see past it. However you want to say it. Amen? Number five. Here we go. Last one. Number five is we've got to remember the purpose. Once again, if we're going to have a culture of honor, we've got to remember the purpose. Let's look back at John 13, 34, 35. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Once again, the standard, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, here's our, here's our purpose. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. That's the purpose. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying that as we love each other, guess what? People will know, the simple, telemetry, that we're his followers. That literally when we love each other with God's kind of love, people will have the opportunity because to what? To see him because we're reflecting him because he is love. You know, to understand that there's, there's not a moment in, in life when you're more like him than when you love. Amen? All right. So here's the... Closing thought here, and I'm going to give you one verse, and we'll pray. So I want you to remember this. I know I gave you five things. Let me roll through them again to kind of remind you. We need to remember that this isn't the first time. Second, we need to remember the standard. Third, we need to remember our history. Fourth, we can remember their value. Number five, so we can remember the purpose. And uh, I believe this, that if we can remember, watch this, that God has been successful at helping his kids love one another for over 2,000 years, then he can help us do it too. Pretty simple. If he can take, if he can take that ragtag group of 11, right? I mean, th- think about this. The fact that we are standing here today is proof that they learned how to love and they learned how to love well. Because if those guys could, wouldn't have bonded together, then this thing would have fell apart. Yes? And so, you know, in that same spirit, do you understand that the future of the church also depends on us loving one another? And I'm not just talking about celebration life. I'm talking about the church. And and there's that side, and I'll go ahead and throw it out there at you. Um, Let's think beyond the four walls here really fast, and let's just think about the church in general. We could easily go, go like this. In fact, here, I'll just say it. I remember as a young believer that I used to get pretty fed up with people who didn't believe like me. Other pastors, other churches, literally that I would have a, a, a self-righteous, just, you know, basically I want nothing to do with those people because they don't, they don't believe like we believe. And so, you, you know, that was ignorance, okay? 
Because at the end of the day, it really boils down to this. Do we believe the gospel? And if we can believe the gospel, then guess what, man? We can do this. We can get along. I can love you. We can walk this thing together. You're my brother. Yes? And so, you know, church, churches on, you know, they, they say that Sunday's the most divided day in America. Right? And, and there's truth to that. And, but there's also a, some grace and a balance to that. But, but there's that side that I guess, for, and I'll say this as a pastor of this church, um, there's things that we believe that other people in the city don't believe, but that doesn't mean we're better than them. Because I hope we're all smart enough. I, I've gotten smarter over the years, and I've, and I've just finally realized that, guess what? When Quentin Self stands before Jesus, he's going to learn the areas that he was wrong in. And he's going to learn the things that he preached that weren't right. I, I hear, I'll be honest with you. I was looking over some old notes of a message I preached, I don't know, eight years ago, and I went, oh, that was wrong. I, I literally said, Jesus, cover it, <laughs> you know. But I was like, man, that, that was wrong. I, I, look, I looked at that. I, t- I took a scripture that meant to be a love for the brethren, and I applied it to the world. It was wrong. Okay? So, anyways, I, I just think this, that, you, you know, it's, um, we could go into all kinds of details there. But, I, you know, I want us, when we're around other believers in this city, because we're all on the same team, we're all in the same fight, okay, we may look a little different, believe a little different, but at the same time, we still got the same enemy. And so when we see these people, let's love them, let's encourage them. I hope we pray for other churches, because we should, yes, because we need them. Bottom line, have you seen how small this place is? Everybody's not going to fit in here, okay? So we need them to fit somewhere. I really don't want to preach 20, 30 times a day. Some of you guys might have come off the bench, you know, so anyways. All right, anyways, I'm mumbling. Here we go. All right, so let me give you this last verse. Here's our last challenge for the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 12 through 13. This is what I want you to walk out the room and say, God, do this in me. It says, and may the Lord make you increase, get that, increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. The part that I want to draw your attention to is the word increase. That the challenge today is, God, please let me increase in my love walk. Let me grow in it. And, you know, love is a fruit, right, of the Spirit. We get so used to going to Hannaford's and Walmart, where we shop, Charles, and we walk in the produce section and we grab a ripe piece of fruit. That thing had to grow. Right. And so the, the love walk in every one of us, guess what? It needs to grow. You know, some, once again, some of us are further along than others. But wherever we're at, there's still room to grow. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. If we can, just kind of close our eyes. I, I just want to throw one thing out and then we'll pray. Um, I just want to make an opportunity that if, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that they, they're not in the family of God, they don't have a relationship with him, um, but you sure do want one. You want your sins forgiven. You want a new start in life. You want to become a son or daughter, however you, want, wherever, however you want to word it. If you know that you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, meaning that you've never asked him to come be the Lord of your heart, the Savior of your heart, just uh, throw a hand up if you would like to make that decision today. Awesome. All right. Good deal. If you don't mind, everybody, I'm going to pray for you if that's all right. If you don't mind, just throw both hands up in the air. Just receive from the Father today. 
Father, I thank you for every one of these people. And, Lord, we just ask today as a church, Lord, we know we didn't even really begin to even scrape the surface of what the love walk really is. But, Father, we, we know that we need more of it in our lives and in this church. And so, Father, today we just pray, God, that our walk, our love walk with you would increase, it would grow, it would mature. Father, that we would do even all those things that we talked about, God, that we would even our own hearts recognize that the standard has been raised and, uh, and God, that you uh, literally want us to love people the way you love us. And so, Father, even if we need today, because there's definitely us that are in the room, we need a revelation in our own hearts of how much you have loved us and how much you love us now. And so, Lord, somehow to let that love flow through us to them. And, uh, Father, we pray, God, that in this place it would be a culture of honor. There would be uh, that sense of community. There would be the, the sense of unity in the Spirit. And Father, that we would uh, do what the Apostle Paul says, that we would live, um, we would do our hardest, live peaceably with all men. And so, Father, thank you for just teaching us how to connect relationally deeper than we've ever connected before. Thank you, God, for just making us more uh, just brothers and sisters. God, the way that you that you bonded the hearts of those 11 men in those 50 days. Lord, we ask that you would begin to bond our hearts together. And, Lord, that we would uh, literally be joined together, glued together. And, Father, thank you for just any walls, any, any uh, self-protecting walls, all those things of, God, how we try to keep ourselves from getting hurt. Lord, let those walls fall down, God, so we can just be honest and vulnerable and real. And, uh, Lord, literally just do life with each other and not just interact with each other when we walk in this place. So, Father, thank you for teaching us, God, how to do life, God, beyond a Sunday. Teach us how to do life together, literally, uh, Sunday all the way through Saturday, Lord. And, uh, Father, we just pray today, God, that in our hearts, I guess if there was one, some, one little statement that I could make, that we would be family as we go. Father, I ask that, that we'd be family as we go. Father, thank you for just your grace. Thank you for watching over your people. Father, I pray and I bless them today. God, I pray, God, that their hearts, uh, God, would hunger for you more. Father, help them understand the time and the season we're in. And, Father, that they would uh, just be uh, so zealous, God, in their relationship and their walk for, with you, God, that they would just, uh, just protect and guard their hearts, God, and just make, uh, just make more room for you and your spirit and your power in their life. So, Father, we bless them today. Thank you for watching over them. Thank you for healing them. Thank you for meeting every need that they have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.